0: Hi, everyone. You're about to start listening to my podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to this podcast. My name is Carlo Vroje and I'm a first year's international land and water management student. In this podcast, I will take you along all the hotspots of my recent research I have done around the area of the south border of the Volkszoomer. When the construction of the Philipsdam started in the late 1967, a project was started that would have a major impact on the hinterland. The Philipsdam is part of the Delta Works, a system of dams and logs that protects the Netherlands against water. The dam was built to keep the special ecological structure of the Oosterschelde intact and to protect shipping between Rotterdam and the Antwerp against the tidal currents. This also separated the Volkaksoommeer from the Oosterschelde, making it a freshwater lake. The almost complete freshwater of the lake created a new freshwater reservoir that farmers gratefully use. On the other hand, the dynamics of nature areas disappeared, which has also consequences for plants and animals. Exwater like has also innovated in the separation of fresh and salt water in the sluices located in the dam. These sluices are called the Krammersluizen. This was needed because there has always been a salt water leak through the sluice in the dam, which brings high maintenance and energy costs with it. Uh, These innovations make the the lake completely fresh water. These changes do have effect on the different types of land use in the area. What are the consequences of innovations in this water structure on land use, and what are the interests of different stakeholders? That is being investigated in this case study. I will take you along four sites where you literally see the interests of the stakeholders active in my research area. Please take your bike and drive with me, do my peak tour, and enjoy the nature and water structure artworks you'll see. This podcast is complementary to the peak tour, so you can listen to it during your tour. Enjoy listening. <laughs> The first place you definitely have to see in my research area are Dinsel's the Dinselse The Dinselse form a nature reserve in the municipality of Steenbergen with a size of 539 hectares. It is located on the south bank of the Volkruik in the Dutch province of Noord-Brabant. In the west, on the other side of the Steenbergs fleet, the area connects to the Slikken van de Heen. Just like the eastern pattern of the Slikken van de Heen, the Dinselse are owned by Vereniging Natuurmonumenten, the organization that. Uh, owns the nature areas. The Dintelse owned own their name to the river Dintel, although this river is not directly situated on the Dintelse The area of swallowing and bunting was already mentioned in the 15th century and belonged to the citizens of Steenbergen. These citizens wanted to embank the area, but this never worked thanks to the strong current. After the Philipsdam was completed in 1987, the tides disappeared, creating the current area. Due to the past history, the area consists of all kinds of islands of sweet soil within a mainly saline landscape, which provide a great diversity of plants, especially orchids. There are also semphrine, sea aster and briny spur of water. The area is home to a herd of Scottish Highlanders grazing the vegetation. In addition to these large grazes, the building also offered large bird colonies at home. They are right now on this place listening to this podcast please walk into the Dinterse It's beautiful and definitely worth the effort. Well, you may wonder what now the interest is of the Dinterse I asked Paul Begijn and Frank Seyderveld from Monumenten what the interest for this area is. When a unique nature reserve is made up of freshwater and saltwater environment, it is likely that desalination of the adjacent lake has a negative impact on the biodiversity in these areas. For now, this is not yet the case, nature is for the short term, resistant to inconveniences such as too fresh or too salt. However, this may play a role in the long term, says the external policy manager of Natuurmonumenten, Frank Seiderveld. He told me that nature benefits most from a sustainable system that is so robust that it can absorb gradual changes. A freshwater volkrog is realistic and natural in the short term, in the longer term with all climate scenarios. A transition area, as it used to be, is more sustainable, richer in species, and is suitable in a delta without major influence from water structures. This requires a long-term vision, large-scale investments, and long-term programs like the Delta Program. In other words, it should not depend on the rhythm of four years between elections. The interest of nature monuments is therefore keeping nature areas connected, bringing natural dynamics back (tides in the lake, for example), and maintaining beautiful biodiversity. From the Dinterschorce we continue to the Scheldrein Canal. I will take you through the history of this canal. As early as 1920, the Belgian government demanded the canal be replaced by zuid to make Antwerp more accessible to the Rhine trade. There was also a demand from Germany for such a channel because the Dutch ports were able to maintain high transshipment rates thanks to their monopoly. A canal from Antwerp to Mordijk was negotiated with the Netherlands in 1920, but the Van Karne Basin Treaty was rejected by the Senate in 1927. Negotiations took place again at the end of 1930. The Netherlands hereby agreed to a canal from Antwerp to Willemstad, the Ingracht Canal. Due to the Second World War, implementation of the plan was postponed. The Van Kaluwaard Steenweg Commission again recommended that the canal be constructed to Moerdijk. In the meantime, however, the Netherlands wished the canal to be part of the Delta Works. Belgium, and more specifically the Rhine-dependent port of Antwerp, called for a quick solution, and therefore agreed to the current course. On May 30, 1963, the treaty for the construction of this canal was signed. Ten years later, it was finally opened up. In the last phase, in the 1980s, the Oostdam and the Margrietskade were built, and the Volkrak was dammed, so the canal was no longer subject to the tides. Since then, the canal has also played a role in the transport of fresh water for irrigation to the islands of Tole and St. Philipsland. From, from the bridge, where you maybe are standing on right now, where you are doing a peak bike tour for example, uh, you can see the water inlet from the Canal to the polder of St. Philipsland and Anna Jacoba polder. Uh, this place is relatively small sized, but very important for farmers. This is essential for farmers to irrigate their lands and grow their crops, and with that they get an income. From here we are heading to the lands of the family Van Nieuwehuizen in Anna-Jakobepolder. Farmers need to grow their crops to get an income and provide food to consumers and therefore they need enough fresh water from the lake. That's the interest of the farmers in this case. Farmers on the islands in Philipsland and Tholen are getting fresh water from the canal. This is because their islands originally have saline soils and saline groundwater. The canal is connected to the Volkracht which makes the lake fresh water source for farmers on these islands. As explained earlier, innovations in fresh and salt water separation in the Philipsdam are realized by Rijkswaterstaat. Where one would think these innovations are beneficial for this type of land use by farmers, the opposite seems to be true according to an interview that I did with Bram van Nieuwenhuijs. Bram told me, the innovations in the fresh and salt water separation are not used in the way they should. Vrijkswaterstaat has the power to turn on and off the screen of bubbles, and with that the water becomes much more saline. This makes the waters too salt to use for irrigation. There is also a lack of knowledge according to the functionality of the separation method. We heard Brom talking about the separation method. They are going to use uh, the bubble screen. Uh, I will shortly explain uh, the difference between the bubble screen and the current method. Uh, the current method is based on the difference in density of the water. Uh, salt water is uh, heavier than fresh water. So when a ship, for example, uh, heading in the sluice from salt to fresh water, they pump out the salt water from underneath boat and pump in fresh water from above. Uh, So is the water content in the sluice completely uh, became fresh and without merging fresh and salt water in the sluice the ship can go further into fresh water. The new methods of the bubble screen creates a vertical water flow in the sluices. The true uh, parallel vertical water flows are not able to merge so um, the fresh water and salt water will not merge again. Uh, This saves time for shipping because they do not have to wait for all the pumping. Okay back to the field of the family van Nieuweijs. This field is influenced by the salt water Oosterschelde so the soil is quite saline here especially when we compare it to a field on the east side of the canal without the salt influences of the Oosterschelde. The field in Haynes-Polder, where I did my measurements, uh, the electrical conductivity in microsiemens, uh, the EC value, which is uh, representative for salinity in soil, uh, the values vary from 151 to 284 microsiemens. Uh, While at the other uh, field, uh, from the familie van Nieuwenhuijzen, the values are varying from 284 to 492 microsiemens. Soil there is much more saline which means that fresh water is so important for these farmers to irrigate their lands and grow their crops. From this field we are directly heading to our next stop. This stop is the Natuurkijkpunt, the nature viewing point. Uh, from this point you have an amazing view on the Natura 2000 area, the Krammervorkrack. Here you see the small brooks, in Dutch called Kreken that play a major role in the interest of the water boards. In the program Krekenvisie, on the waterboard Delta is described how a saline volkak contributes to better water quality and fighting the blue-green algae growth in the lake. In the Kreken, you, the little brooks, you see in front of you are salt. This is because they are located at the west side of the Philipsdam. You are looking at the salt Oosterschelde. On the east side of the dam is the volkak located. The next stop in this podcast and your bike tour is the apotheos of this tour massive water structure. What it's all about: the Philips Zone. We well, are joining me with a peak bike tour. You are right now at the Krammersluizen view deck. From here you have a great view on the Philipsdam. The Philipsdam is part of the Delta Works. With the construction of the Philipsdam, the waters of the Krammer and Volkerak were immediately closed off from the Oosterschelde. The Philipsdam runs from the Gevelingendam to St. Philipsland. The construction of the Philipsdam started at the end of 1976. Besides separating the Volkerak-Zoomir from the Oosterschelde, the dam also made Zeeland better accessible because of the road that's built on it, which is connected to the Gevelingerdam, with also a road on its surface. When you are on the view deck of the Kramerslijsen, you have an amazing view on the complex and its surroundings. When you have a look at the southwest, you see the farm and the lands of the family van Nieuwenhuizen. When you look at the southeast, you first see the bridge over the Schelderijn Canal and then the nature of the Stikken and Dittelse Gorse. From here you see how such a colossal water structure can influence such a massive area. This view deck is the end of my podcast and if you have cycled along also the end of your peak bike tour. I hope you have enjoyed it and I see or hear you the next time. Goodbye!